0: Well, and remember when we started in 2015, we launched, and then like a month later, another podcast called Millennial also launched. But then NPR picked up her podcast, and we were just sitting over here like- That's rude. (laughs) We were like, what?
1: Yeah. And her fucking show is over now. It's been done for six years. And you know what pisses (laughs) me off?
2: Does it still outrank
0: our show on Google?
1: It still
0: outranks. I knew you were gonna say that. I'm sorry. Megan Tan is still our number one competitor.
1: (laughs) And she's been (laughs) on like vacation for six years. Welcome to Millennial, the home of pretend adulting and real talk. I'm Andrew.
0: I'm Maura. And I'm Pamela.
1: I want to start the show off today talking about something that millennials love, something that the three of us do all the time, but it's something we kind of strangely don't talk about here on the show much at all. It's podcasting.
0: Whoa. What's a podcast?
1: We're going to get meta for a little bit. The podcast world seems to be cooling off after a few years of explosive growth, and this is why I wanted to talk about it today. Podcast listenership and revenue opportunities grew really rapidly over the last few years thanks in part to the pandemic, and more people were listening to the podcasts. more people were doing podcasts, and it seemed like there was no shortage of money being spent on exclusivity deals, new shows, celebrity hosts. But now companies are scaling back their investments in podcasting for a few reasons. First and foremost, they're coming to grips with reality. There was initially a ton of interest in jumping into this hot new medium. But now that people and businesses have spent time developing podcasts, they're realizing that growing a podcast is difficult, (laughs) as we probably know firsthand as well. And quickly making a profit is not always possible either. And speaking of profit, there's fears of a recession. Advertisers have scaled back their spending, meaning less opportunities for podcasts to make money. And now here's one we haven't been cursed with. Subscription models aren't working out for everyone, meaning like a Patreon. Audiences have been slow to sign up for paid subscriptions when they're accustomed to getting this content for free. This reminded me, do you two remember Luminary? They're still around, but... Yeah. I do, yeah. It was like a Netflix for podcasts. They had a bunch of exclusive podcasts, but you had to pay a monthly subscription to listen to any of them. And it's like, what?
0: Yeah. And some of them had previously been completely free, a podcast that I still really like uh, called Spooked. It's um, by the same people who do Snap Judgment on NPR, except it's about ghost stories. You know, shock and surprise that I'm into that kind of thing. Um, The first couple of seasons of that show were completely free and then they moved to this luminary model where only a couple of episodes were free and you had to subscribe to luminary to get the other episodes I don't think that went very well for them because they kind of rolled back a little bit with the later seasons releasing still some things behind the paywall but more things for free I think because they weren't Probably seeing the types of numbers that they were hoping to see would be my guess.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And I think Luminary changed their business model quite a bit since they tried and I think basically failed to make this work. People are just used to getting podcasts for free That's and getting a show wherever they want. You can get Millennial on Apple Podcasts, on Spotify, Google Podcasts, etc. That's one of the great things about podcasting. It's kind of this like open marketplace where you can listen to a show in whatever app you want.
2: I don't know if you you both come across this, but I, I think anytime there's... Now we're starting to see more and more news stories about the podcast industry. So to your point, this story about Luminary that came out a couple of years ago, I don't know if you both run across this, but I frequently have people in my life sending me stories like this because, you know, they know that I I do this and I've been doing this for a long time. And it's always framed as, why don't you do this and make a little bit of money, you know, and then I <laughs> think to myself, like, this is not going to fly because to both of your points, people are so used to getting podcasts for free. And there's so much content out there that is for free. It's just like it's, it's going to take a lot for people to give you their hard earned cash as much as they love a show. We hear this from our own listeners all the time. And, you know, I when, whenever we do talk about our Patreon, we never make it like make anybody feel pressured to sign up. But we hear from people all the time that, you know, they would love to support us on there, but they can't um financially spare any extra money. Perfectly fine. So I don't know what Luminary was thinking yeah. doing this because yeah. it's the same
0: thing. It's almost like growing a podcast is hard work and (laughs) people are just now realizing that.
1: Yes. Another reason it's hard work, and I'll get to this in a few more minutes, but um, it's just there's so many out there that it's hard to stand out. And there's very few good ways to promote a podcast. One good way is to appear on the homepage of like Apple podcasts, but there's so many podcasts and they are kind of in bed with a lot of these podcast companies. So these podcast companies and their shows get all the attention on the front page. It's all celebrity stuff. It's not the indie stuff. They need to spend more time promoting the indie stuff like us. And another reason our subscription has worked is because we have a very long standing relationship with our audience. Some shows try to launch a patreon or another subscription model out of the gate, and even if that's a, that person's a celebrity, it's not necessarily going to work because you need to build a relationship with your audience first. I tell people this in my course as well as my recently published ebook on Amazon
0: Wow, so we're getting free advice over here, Pam you are if you, you want to go ahead and start our competitor podcast with Millennial, I think now's the time.
1: Yeah, Pam, you could. You have a longstanding relationship with an audience. You could start a podcast, I think, and and a Patreon, and people would be game for that.
2: Probably. I mean, I (laughs) have also had people tell me this, too. But the thing is, and I'm sure we're going to get to this, too, creating a podcast is a lot of work, and I don't know if I could honestly do it on my own. I think that a big reason why this show works and, and why every show we've ever done together together works is because we know that the other person is going to come through with their commitments. And that's a, a big downfall for a lot of shows is that people don't realize how much time it takes to actually put together a good finish, finished product and yeah, how much time we spend researching everything we talk about on here, too.
1: I'll hear something similar from some clients, too. Like they start a podcast and they're getting involved. And I mean, actually, we've seen this ourselves as well some people just have to go their separate ways over a certain period of time, or they realize after recently starting a show, damn, this is a lot of work. It's the planning, it's the recording, figuring out the recording schedules, editing, promoting, how the hell do I promote it? You know, There's just like a million things involved.
0: Yeah. At the end of the day, you have to have passion for the podcast that you're creating. I think that goes with any kind of virtual medium like this. I mean, whether it's your YouTube channel or your Twitch stream, whatever it is, you have to care a whole lot about what it is you're doing. You can't just expect that you can launch a podcast and it will print money for you. Yeah. That's not how it's going to work.
1: And that also goes for even just like a traditional brick and mortar business. Sometimes it could take a really long time to build up a loyal customer base. And so, yeah, I wouldn't get into podcasts assuming anyone is going to be making money for like, just, you know, sit the bar really low, like five years is where is the bar you need to cross before starting to make money. Yeah,
2: that's about right. (laughs) Look at how long we did podcasting for free.
1: Yeah. There's probably
2: a time for all of us where we never would have thought we would be in the position we are today, where we have people that are funding our show because they
1: love the show. And to Laura's point, this is why you need to be passionate about it, because then you're willing to do it for free. Or maybe I have a couple of clients who don't make money, but they use it to convert their audience into paying customers of something else that they do. So, you know, there's there's different business models for it. But getting back to why podcasts, um, people are kind of pulling back from podcasts. Another reason... Why uh, they're starting to kind of falter is there have been a lot of tests on like these short run or seasonal narrative podcasts, but those have a limited window to actually build an audience and attract advertisers. So those types of shows especially have been on the chopping block. And speaking of cuts, last April... For example, Spotify declined to renew their deal with Obama's production company. They had made a couple of podcasts with the platform. Spotify later canceled 11 other original shows. Amazon, SiriusXM, NPR, Spotify, they've all curbed podcasts and uh, podcast publishers, Vox Media, and Pushkin Industries have recently done rounds of layoffs. I just heard today another Spotify podcasting exec left. So there's just been a lot of rejiggering of the industry. Part of it is probably, you know, people's listening habits have changed coming out of the pandemic, which leads us to the question, are we podcast listeners ourselves? I am. I listen to a couple of tech podcasts. I subscribe to some others and I always intend to listen to them. And then I just never have time. I got my priorities and I usually can't get past my top priorities.
0: I only have a few. I don't listen to a ton of podcasts. There are some people who do, including some of our listeners who come up with some really amazing podcast recommendations. And I'm just in awe because I'm like, how? It's really hard to find the time to be dedicated and listen to a show that consistently which is why i super appreciate our listeners um because we've got a lot of folks with us who really do tune in and listen every week um and that just really does mean the world i really like um you know i mentioned spooked um i was um listening to this Podcast called My Dad Wrote a Porno that was recommended. Yeah, Yeah. and it is very funny. I just haven't had a chance to like really dive into it. I like a lot of true crime stuff though, so like, someone knows something is really good. Um, In the Dark is another really good true crime podcast. I also really like Haunted Places for the paranormal type vibe. For a while, there was um, a narrative podcast that I was listening to called Archive 81, um, which I really need to go back and finish listening to because it is very good. It had been adapted into a Netflix series, and the first season was really, really good. It's why I started listening to the podcast. But then, of course, Netflix axed it after season one, so it's not coming back, which is disappointing. Yeah, but yeah, I've I've got a, a fair few podcasts that I tune into. I like uh, Be- Behind the Bastards is one that I like to tune into occasionally.
1: Are you on a weekly cadence with all these shows, no. or just like okay?
0: No, it's it's just like when I have time to catch up. Basically, I was about to say that that I do listen to some shows,
2: but it it really is only if I'm interested in what they're talking about that week, which I'm sure is the same for (laughs) some other people that listen to
1: even our show. But like... And this is why I... Right. This is why I sweat our episode titles. I'm like, what if somebody hates
2: this? Clickbait. Here's the thing. I listen to like... I I listen to mostly music podcasts religiously. And so if I'm not interested in the artists, then I just like, I might listen if I feel like I need to get a better barometer for what they do. But if I feel like I already know too much and I'd rather listen to something else than I will. So I listen to a show called, every single album sparingly. And then I've talked about my love for dissect podcast. Um, and I also just usually tune in, because they're one of these like season based shows. Uh, but every season is a different album. So I'll tune in if I'm interested in the album, that they're talking about that particular season. Um, and then I listen sparingly to pod Meets world, which is the Boy Meets World rewatch podcast with the cast, uh, which I believe I've recommended on here. But even something like that, it, it's like I'm obviously interested in the source material, but it it doesn't grip me week after week, and I I can't figure out why. And I, I think it's just because like time is precious, so you really have to like invest it, yeah, into like the things that you're passionate about listening to. So
1: yeah, yeah. I'm pretty good with listening weekly to the shows I keep at the top of my priority list, like This Week in Tech with Leo Laporte, or um, another tech one called The Verge Cast from TheVerge.com, and a Mac one that's also done by Leo. So, it, it, But maybe it's because those are news podcasts, so maybe I part of me feels like I got to listen as soon as possible, because if I listen to it two weeks later, it's all going to be out of date, at least. That's my personal preference, to get that news as quickly as possible. What makes a good podcast to you two? We heard true crime. Yeah. Our own interests. Tech, music, true crime.
0: (laughs) You know, I think any topic can be engaging. If you have the right combination of factors, when you think about host chemistry, uh, audio quality is a big one. I have had a number of occasions where I've started a podcast that sounded really interesting. But the audio quality being kind of shitty is really grating to listen to, especially nowadays that there are so many podcasts out there that are amateur shows where people just, they got themselves a, a Yeti microphone and they sound great, you know, so it's really tough to listen to A podcast that sounds, you know, grainy or has like a lot of background noise or echoey.
1: Imbalanced audio is one that really pisses me off. Somebody's way louder than the other person.
0: Yeah. And that's what I think Andrew spoiled me. Yeah. I was gonna (laughs) say.
1: But also I'm in a good place now. I'm very proud of my work these days. I (laughs) I think that,
0: you know, obviously
2: it would take years to get up to the caliber that you provide on this show every week. But I think that you would agree that um it's very easy to make at least a small change on that front, too. So it just feels lazy when it sounds so awful or the audio is imbalanced. And then you think to yourself, well, like, didn't this person listen back? I'm sure they did because yeah. they cut out all the breathing. And so why didn't you fix the levels while you were there?
1: Right. Yeah, that's and I'll tell you what, Pam, I've given some of my clients advice and they don't listen to it
2: because they don't so tired of this i I get it because (laughs) editing is tedious it at best if you're relatively fast i would say whatever however um, like long the audio is it's gonna take you twice the amount of time to go through that and that is somebody that's a little slower like like me you know i'm sure andrew could get through it faster and he's probably gonna do a better job
1: than i would but I used to like the early days of Muggle Gas, two thousand five, two thousand six. I it used to literally take like ten hours. Now I get them done in about two and a half times the length of the recording. That's usually That's what great. I quote people. Yeah, and and it's not only is it faster, it's better. To your point, just because I have mm-hmm. more experience when you're doing it all the time, yeah. you just figure it all out and figure out ways to get certain tasks done faster.
2: But going back to Laura's point about having to be passionate about something if you're not passionate about the show that you're making then you're not going to want to put the time and effort that it takes to do everything that mm-hmm. it, you would need to do to make that show great. Yeah. And part of that is is the audio editing.
1: Yeah. In addition to all that, the length of a podcast can matter to me too if they spend too much time not talking about what they're supposed to be talking about. Some shows they they like go off on Tangents that are way off base, like the Macintosh podcast. The Apple podcast is a good example of that. Sometimes they're talking about other shit. I'm like, I tune in for Apple stuff. I don't want to hear about baseball or anything else on this podcast. There was actually a meme or a tweet about this pod- about this habit, like a good year ago. I think I shared it with y'all in our Slack. I wish I prepared it for today, but it, I just remembered. It. But basically, it was saying like a lot of podcasts that people listen to take forever to actually get to their main discussion for the day. Yeah. Some shows combat this with, or maybe combat is not the right word, but I actually started working for a show recently. One of our listeners is a Grey's Anatomy rewatch podcast. Her name is Abby, and she does it with her friend Bree. They'll do some small talk at the beginning, but they will also post a timestamp in the show notes saying this is where the actual rewatch discussion starts. That way, people can easily skip to the rewatch stuff if they don't want to hear about how their week's gone. I think that's a good way to do it.
2: I've definitely sampled, I'll say sampled, uh, shows that I it, they sound interesting on paper. And I know the pacing is bad if I have it on in the background. I'm doing something. And then I think that my phone accidentally like skipped to another episode because they're still talking about like not what that episode was supposed to be about. <laughs> and I think there is something to be said for a nice soft open. I love a good soft open for interview based podcasts too. But yeah, you, know, you have to get to the point at some, at some point within the first, like I would say like maybe 20 minutes, 15, 20 minutes, 20 minutes is long though.
1: Yeah. Mm -hmm. Do you two listen to celebrity podcasts at all?
2: No. Only if the the person they're interviewing is of interest to me, but very often I will get annoyed because I don't like the interview style.
1: Okay. I don't listen to celebrity podcasts. Pat has listened to Anna Faris's, Chelsea Handler's. One of our listeners, Mandy, actually posted in our Facebook group a couple weeks ago, Y'all, I can't with these celebrity podcasts. I mostly only listen to Millennial and MuggleCast. However, I do listen to Armchair Experts sometimes because I really enjoy the celebrity interviews. During their episode with Pamela Anderson, they talked about how wild it was that they have been doing podcasts for so long. They've only been doing them for five years. Next, Pamela asked why they even called a podcast and Dax and Monica. The host had no clue why it cracks me up and made me think uh, about the conversations you all had.
2: That's cute, <laughs>
1: but yeah, it's such a good point. like celebrities think they got on early, and you know, some people say like serial was the beginning of podcast, well, not the beginning, but that's when it got really hot in twenty fourteen so I guess people think back to that but
2: to that point the conan o'brien gets a lot of credit for like being the godfather of podcasting which is (laughs) so annoying and i don't know if you all remember i do when i think it was variety or hollywood reporter put him on the cover saying that he was like the the (laughs) birth he basically like burned the podcast movement and everyone was so mad it was so great i just like sat back reading all of the hot takes on twitter because you know podcasting has been around for so long and it's just kind of silly that people are out there believing that it really took
0: off in like 2010, 2012. Yeah. Yeah. To this day, I will never forget when we had first started MuggleCast. This was back in 2005, 2006. Um, an adult, not really in my life, but who was like, at the time was adjacent to my life, heard about the podcast and said, I'll never forget this. Oh, podcasting, that's not going to go anywhere. <laughs> I will never fucking forget that.
1: Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Well, I mean, maybe that's a good way to start wrapping up this conversation. I think this pullback from like the big corporations might be a really good thing for indie podcasters because, like I was saying earlier, all this competition from a lot of these bigger companies in particular and these celebrities it's drowned out the smaller guys like us and just any indie podcast. I would love if a lot of these bigger corporations kind of pulled out and then there is more attention in the podcast directories for the indie podcasts. And then listeners who are looking for new shows, they're going to start turning more of their attention to the indie stuff because a lot of this big wig podcasting content um, just isn't there anymore or they're realizing some of the indie people do it just as good if not better yeah i see this as kind of good news i don't think podcast is going to go away forever even remotely i i think it's 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 so big it's the new radio you can listen to it anywhere which is a bigger draw than like youtube is because youtube you got to sit down and watch the screen podcast it's driving walking whatever you're doing you can consume podcasts
0: right and you can consume them on youtube too right? If you You want to watch a podcast, you can. That is so interesting to me that the visual
2: component of podcasting has really taken off. And this idea now that people have where like, like you almost have to be in a studio, like a fancy studio setting with your other co-hosts to do a show, which is An idea that's so foreign to me because I think we talked about this last week that we can probably count on both hands the number of times we've all been together in the same room. Mm -hmm.
1: Yeah. And I think there's options. There's ways around that. You can use Zoom. There's a popular podcast tool called Riverside that's all online. People record their video. We actually post our episodes on YouTube. Nobody listens to them there, but they're auto posted. So it's kind of just like a no brainer. And, you know, potentially we could find a new audience if people are searching for a term on YouTube because YouTube is the second biggest search engine behind Google. Um, So normally it's recommended that people put their podcasts on YouTube. It's not video, though. It's just the audio. A lot of people watch or listen to podcasts on YouTube just because they're list they're they're used to consuming all their audio video content through YouTube anyway. And I think YouTube's trying to set up a bigger podcast presence because right now there's really no support for podcasters there. If we were to each create a whole other podcast, what would we do? I feel like i I would be interested in a short form podcast. The podcasts we do are pretty long. I would like to do something like 15, 20 minutes. Maybe it's like a daily news show of some sort. I have a second answer. It wouldn't be short form. At least I don't think. Maybe it could be. A TV episode reaction podcast. I would love to react to a new episode of a TV show every week and post it straight away. With friends. It'd just be so much fun to release a podcast where we're covering new content every week.
2: Like, no, no pre-planning, just after the show airs, everyone gets on. and
1: Yeah, or we could take a couple of days if we want to, but just having that weekly cadence of there's a new episode out, let's review it.
0: Yeah, I agree. That's definitely one of the things that comes to mind for me, especially with Last of Us being on right now. Um, It was something I had thought about. I was like, oh, I wish I had the time to do a Last of Us reaction podcast, and then Eric uh, Skull from MuggleCast launched his own Last of Us Reaction podcast. And I was like, shit,
1: <laughs> I should have done it. Um, <laughs> you should have done it. You two can compete. <laughs> Just go on his podcast. He'd love to have you. If yeah, you,
0: uh... I'm I'm sure we could. Maybe for the finale, since that's going to be coming up soon. But um, something else that I would genuinely love to do is a rewatch podcast of The West Wing. Um, So, like, have myself and then somebody else who, you know, either has seen very little or known none of the West Wing and do reaction episodes uh, based on each episode of that. That would be really fun for me. Also, yeah. it, as like kind of a tongue in cheek response, I don't know how it would be constructed, but y'all know I love dinosaurs. So I think it'd be really fun to do something where I could talk about dinosaurs
1: this Week in Dinosaurs.
0: Yeah, this Week in Dino. <laughs> I would really like to do
2: a music based podcast, but that also incorporates an interview element. And I would specifically love to talk to people about the music that either raised them or made them. So, it, the, and it would not be like necessarily exclusive to other musicians, although I would obviously be open to having musicians come on. Um, but it wouldn't necessarily be them talking about their music. It would just be like, you know, t- tell me, let's talk about like an artist that really um, meant a lot to you in your youth. And I just think that that would be really fun. Like, like with like, if like Andrew and I were doing an episode, I could talk to him about Springsteen and about like, you know, like if he's had a different experience listening to I was just reading this Book that brought up Thunder Road. So I'll use that as a, an example. Like, does Thunder Road mean something different to you now than it did the first time you heard it? And we could talk more about that.
1: I love that overall idea because that's a Me very too. unique angle for a music podcast. It's not just talking about music news, it's like you have a theme and a goal with each episode of the show. And I tell people now, like, because there's so many podcasts out there, you need to have a really unique idea.
2: Oh, I'm Andrew approved.
1: (laughs) (laughs) You would never I would never recommend somebody launch like a podcast that there's already 10 of like a Harry Potter podcast or would we launch this millennial today? Honestly, probably not. Because there's just so many podcasts like it. Yeah. But we started in 2015. That's my feeling anyway.
0: (laughs) I know. Well, and remember when we started in 2015, we launched and then like a month later, another podcast called Millennial also launched. And I guess the approach was a little different because the host, it was a single host and she was talking about... Her millennial experience trying to break into the job market, but then NPR picked up her podcast, and we were just sitting over here oh, like, "That's
1: rude."
0: <laughs> we were like, "What?"
1: Yeah, and her <laughs> fucking show is over now. It's been yeah. done for six years, and you know what pisses <laughs> oh, me no. off?
2: Does it still outrank our show on Google? It's still it still
1: outranks. I knew you were going to say I'm looking that. at Google right now. It's number one, and here we are at number two. It's because of NPR. I'm sorry. Ugh.
0: Oh man, Megan Tan is still our number one competitor.
1: <laughs> She's been <laughs> on like vacation for six years. We're out here like hustling. Now, I will say, at least for me, when I go into Apple Podcasts and I search "Millennial," we are showing up number one. Oh, so that's that's nice. Well,
0: when did that happen?
1: Uh, I don't. I don't know. She's right below us.
2: That's okay. We're still on top. That's the important. <laughs> We
0: should see if we can get her on the show for an interview.
2: Like, are you haunted by our show as much as we're
0: haunted by your show? (laughs) She probably doesn't know about the show. Probably
2: not, but I hope that she Googles her own show, and so then we pop up for her.
1: I would get her on the show, but then be like, can you just like auto-forward your domain name to ours or put a big link to our site on your site? Because I just want to be number one, Megan. (laughs) I respect you, but... You're right Laura, her show launched like exactly when ours did. Because according to Google, hers launched January 25th, January 16th, 2015. And yeah, ours was right around that time. Oh, <laughs> we're coming for you Megan. One day we will be number 1 on Google. All right, so that's what's going on with podcasting.
2: Well, moving on from one internet trend to another, I wanted to talk about a craze that is sweeping TikTok and also feeding into other parts of the internet. It's called lucky girl syndrome. And I was specifically reminded of this when I saw Teen Vogue covering this as well. And if you're not familiar with the term, you might have actually crossed paths with what it's all about anyway. Specifically, if you've noticed people using some variation of the mantra, I'm so lucky things are always working out for me, spiking across your feeds. I know that I definitely have. And this is a byproduct of lucky girl syndrome. So the core idea behind this is that if you expect or believe great things to happen to you, then they will. And there are a lot of people that have gone on the record specifically in this Teen Vogue article, but also in other parts of the internet, talking about how they've just like manifested what they want by believing that they already have it or that they will get it. The other thing that teen Vogue points out in their article is that this isn't necessarily anything new. Um, And I think that, you know, if this all sounds kind of familiar, then you would agree with that. It's just really a shiny new name for something that's been around for quite some time. Uh, So does anybody here remember the idea of like manifesting, for example, or yeah. The Secret, which was maybe... Oh, yeah.
1: You still hear a lot of people say, I'm going to manifest this. Yeah. It's not like out of style.
2: We've said it on this show. Mm-hmm. Yeah,
1: probably. <laughs>
2: probably we have. Yeah. So it's a similar thing. I-, I wanted to bring up The Secret too, because I think that even if we didn't have like a decent touchstone for it, we probably remember seeing... This book everywhere because it had like a very specific look. Uh, this was huge in the early 2000s and it actually, I thought that the movie came after the book, but it turns out that the, the documentary movie spawned the book. Really? I did not
0: know that. I was
2: reading up on this to prepare for this segment, and that's when I found out too. But I feel like everybody was all about the secret from like Oprah to
0: Oh yeah, all my friends' moms (laughs) had this. This was like a coffee table book.
1: I honestly, when we were planning this episode last week, we were talking about the secret. I honestly, until that meeting, thought the secret was a work of fiction. I did not realize it was a self-help book. Just because like, Back in the day when it was so hot, you look at the cover, it looks like a Da Vinci novel. Yes. Or like something from Lord of the Rings. Yes. So I was just, that's a work of fiction. I don't care for it. I thought it was some romance novels in all (laughs) seriousness. (laughs)
2: Well, to back up a little bit, just in case anybody doesn't know what the secret is, uh, it centers around the law of attraction. And as Andrew said, it's a self-help book. So the law of attraction basically states that uh, positive or negative thoughts bring positive or negative experiences into a person's life. uh, And it also preaches that thoughts are made from pure energy and that energy can attract like energy. So if you only are thinking negative thoughts, you're going to attract negative energy. But if you're thinking positive thoughts and you're going to attract positive energy. And so this can subsequently help you improve anything from health to personal wealth or relationships. Now, there's no scientific backing behind this. It's definitely very much like a new thought. But, you know, like to the point that we were making just before we were going over the definition for this, a lot of people really bought into this in the mid 2000s. And it's very clear that people still buy into this type of thinking even today with something like lucky girl syndrome going viral.
1: Yeah, because it's something to lean on. It's like having a higher power, believing that by manifesting it, you you can make it happen. And it's also just healthy to think that way. Yes, I am going to kill this quiz today.
0: Yeah, I I think to a degree some of this is rooted in reality in so much as if you put yourself in a positive mindset you're probably going to have a better day, for example, right? If you wake up in the morning and you're thinking, oh my God, today's going to be a shitty day. I feel so tired. I don't want to go to work. I don't want to do this. You're probably setting yourself up to have a shitty time, right? Whereas if you wake up and you're like, I've got this, like... I have already done all of the prep work that I need to do so that I know I'm good to go today. I got up and made myself breakfast. I got up and like took a shower and took my time like getting ready for the day before I went out and, you know, went to work or whatever it is I have to do it's probably going to go better for you. This is something that actually um, I know comes up in therapy a lot, the idea of like having mantras and like having power statements for yourself. And I kind of struggle with it because I feel like it can very easily veer into this like manifesting um, type mentality where it's like, you're manifesting that you will make a lot of money. I don't that doesn't that kind of thought process doesn't resonate with me. But if you're manifesting something that you actually have some control over, it makes a whole lot more sense. Um, But it, it. does feel tough because to me it feels very much it's starting to get into like woo woo territory where it's like I have a power statement <laughs>
1: <that> I <laughs> say to myself power statement. so Haven't heard that phrase in a while <laughs>
2: I, I totally agree with you because I I did pose this question in the doc to us which is that uh, do we put much stock into stuff like this and even as I was writing it my initial reaction uh, my initial response to that question was no not really but Then, like you, I was thinking back to therapy, I I do cognitive behavioral therapy, specifically in case anyone is curious. But a lot of that is rooted in negative versus positive thought. And so very often, my therapist and I will talk about negative thoughts that are running through my head, she'll ask me to write them down. And then she goes, what's a what, how can you make turn this into a positive? And, you know, Obviously, it could be anything from how you're talking about yourself in your head to like, oh, I don't like maybe I don't feel like leaving the house one day because my anxiety is spiking. Well, instead of thinking about everything that could go bad, let me think about everything that went right last time I left the house or everything that could go right if I leave the house again today. And I think that all kind of like touches together.
0: It really does. I know an exercise that I've gone through in therapy when having those kind of like intrusive thoughts, sort of thinking about the worst possible outcome is coming up with, okay, you've thought of the worst possible outcome. What's the best possible outcome? And what's the most likely outcome? And then after the scenario passes, you revisit it. Most of the time, what ended up happening was what you predicted to be the most likely right so i i do think all of this is it is in the same realm i agree which is why it feels a little bit uncomfortable to take seriously
2: yeah i think the difference is is that we're not saying like i'm so lucky i'm gonna find a million dollars on the ground when i leave the house you know because i don't think i put stock into the idea that like just willing yourself to be successful is all you're going to need to be successful Think somebody mm-hmm. I, I lost it now, but I think somebody in the in the uh, Discord actually brought up that people that are successful work hard for it, and so I do think like maybe part of it is having a healthy mindset about it, but also part of it has to be hard work because you're not going to get anything from doing nothing.
1: Yeah, I support and believe to an extent in the idea of manifesting, but I do think it also it also has become a bit of a meme. I'm manifesting Taylor Swift's new album tonight. You know, when there's rumors of that happening, it's just kind of like fun to say online people. People do the prayer circles on Twitter, right? It's all the candle emojis in the middle. They have new Taylor Swift album tonight. A few years ago, probably five or six years ago, I kind of had this light bulb moment where I realized I need not get worried about certain major things because it has almost always worked out for me. That like helps me get through very difficult situations. No matter what difficult situation I'm at the start of, I know that I will get through it successfully. And I think back to, you know, I've had some scary moments professionally in particular. I've gotten audited twice, including once over the last year. And that was a very lengthy process. It was totally bullshit, the whole damn thing. I was. Under attack, so to speak, from the state of by the state of California when I had when I hadn't done certain paperwork for an old business, and that was very scary. When the state's trying to come after you, I've had people sue Hypable because of images that are uploaded to the website. I've been on the under the threat of losing a job before bad revenue months occur. Health scare from time to time, nothing major. Um, but it's always ended up being okay. It has always worked out. And so I just carry that with me. Like, I'm actually going to be fine at the end of this. It sucks now, but I'm going to be fine. And maybe even better than I was before it. So I just always keep that in mind. And I it tends to be right. One time, I got so scared about something. This was the state of California coming after me. I was panicking because I was trying to run a business myself with the help of fucking legal zoom, which I don't recommend. They'll help you set up the paperwork. And after that, they leave you for dead. <laughs> get a real accountant. Don't use LegalZoom. I was so like freaking out in my head about this. I made a private Facebook post that just said, I will get through this. I will get through this. I will get through this. Because I was just Aww. like, I was like having a panic attack. Yeah. I wanted to write it down and revisit it later. So now I see this come up in my um, Facebook on this day <laughs> every year. I'm like, damn, that was a shitty time, wasn't it? <laughs> I had to like reboot the whole business when the state, I basically ran away from from my old California business.
0: I remember. <laughs>
1: yeah, it worked. Actually, my accountant was right. Just run away. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Lessons in small business ownership from Andrew Sims.
1: <laughs> run away. Listen, kids, <laughs> you can run away from your problems. Anyway, again, I, I feel like I have manifested in that I just kind of take this statement and I say it or i think it or i write it in a private facebook post and it comes true.
0: Yeah. It's it is kind of um in line with what pam and i are talking about. Maybe we all take different approaches towards how we manifest positive things for ourselves. Um but at the end of the day, you know, if you really take 2 seconds to think about it, is it logical that like the worst possible thing is going to happen to you all the time?
1: right no yeah that's true um
0: but i mean i feel like what we're talking about is very much it's a very grounded approach um there are definitely cases that you know we're seeing now online of people doing different things to manifest there's a whole trend on tiktok now i think it's tongue in cheek but you can never depend on the internet for that, where people are like whispering into their glass of water something they want in order to manifest it,
2: <laughs> Is it like your own private wishing well or something? I guess. Oh, that's
1: fun.
0: <laughs> I don't understand That it. one
2: I haven't seen yet, but watch it pop up next time oh, I'm scrolling TikTok.
1: If we only knew about this last year, we could have added that to the water bottle. It could have said like, scream here for your dream to come true. <laughs> I want to win the lottery. I'm screaming into my 40-ounce one. This one's big, so I bet it will come true. Any other angles you want to tackle here? I don't think so. I think we're good. Okay. I would just close by saying, believe in it, y'all. Give it a shot. Why not? Take some lucky girl syndrome, carry it with you, or just believe you're going to get through everything. Try to, at least. Keep it in mind. That's all.
0: Try to have a positive mindset. Sometimes Mm -hmm. easier said than done, because... Life yeah. definitely has its curveballs that it'll throw at you, but it's going to be a lot easier to navigate those things if you are consistently maintaining a positive mindset.
1: And you will have those moments where you break yep. and you just can't have a positive mindset in that moment. But then once you get through, say, that panic attack, you're like, oh, okay, uh, I wasn't dying. It's okay. So, just wanted to plug our Patreon. We are very lucky, unlike other podcasts, to have a successful subscription model. What is coming up in After Dark today, Pam?
2: So there was a recent study that I believe Laura found that says that parents pay at least one monthly bill for 40% of millennials. So we're going to be chatting about that and about our own experiences with parents paying for bills or stopping paying bills. And then we're also going to be using that as a jumping off point to talk about the times in our youth when we did things behind our parents' backs. So it should get pretty juicy at the end there. (laughs)
1: I agree. And don't forget, wanted to mention a couple of things we don't bring up too often. You can pledge to our Patreon for a year up front and receive a discount for pledging annually. It's like how your car insurance works, where you get a discount if you pay the full term, but we're way more fun than car insurance. So check that out. When you do pledge, you receive a custom RSS feed that you can put into most podcast apps. The big one that's missing is Spotify. So you can listen to all of our bonus audio content, just like you do regular millennial. You can also hang out in our virtual recording studio each week and discuss the show in real time with fellow listeners in our Discord. Shout out to everybody who's there tonight. It's always a pretty lively discussion. And last but not least, if you decide to subscribe to the show through Apple Podcasts, you will just get Mega Millennial, and that's ad-free millennial with After Dark at the end. So two options in terms of financially supporting us on a monthly basis, and with both, you get the weekly After Dark benefit, which is definitely one of our flagship benefits. No matter how you support us, through listening, through supporting, through sharing the show with a friend, through leaving a review that's focused on just Laura or just me and Pam, we really do appreciate it. <laughs> Thanks everybody.
0: All right. Well, wrapping up the show today, we're going to revisit something we haven't done in a minute, which is reading a confessional. Um, so for anyone who may be new to the show, you can head on over to millennialshow.com slash confessional. Is that where the confessional right. lives? Yep. yep. Okay. You can head over there. If you want to submit, uh, an anonymous confession to us, and we may read it on air, react to it, we might offer some advice. Um, I'll just add the disclaimer that we are not therapists here on the show. So, you know, there may be certain topics that are going to be more appropriate for discussing with your therapist. But if you're interested in hearing what we think about it, uh, go ahead and send us one. Um, these these can be really um, insightful to hear about, because I think, you know, sometimes we all have things that are, you know, sort of very normal human moments that we're not necessarily proud of, or that we don't necessarily want people in our lives to know about. So um it's, it's always a really great experience to read these and then kind of see how, The confessional resonates with the rest of the audience, because usually what ends up happening is we'll get a lot of people who are like, oh, my God, me too. I've done that exact same thing. (laughs) Um, So let's let's get into this one. Um, This one reads, I need to confess something. I love my family more than anything in this world, but I desperately need a break. I feel like I'm drowning in responsibilities as a wife and mother. My son is 15 months old and requires a lot of care and attention. And while my husband is my best friend, time apart is healthy and important. Between work and taking care of my family, I never have a moment to myself. So I've decided to take a day off, but I'm doing it in secret. I'm going to tell my husband and my mom, who watches our baby while we work, that I'm going to work. But instead, I'm going to take personal leave and spend the day pampering myself. Mm. Everyone's day will be exactly the same as usual, except for my secret day of pampering. (laughs) I'm going to get a pedicure, browse the bookstore for my TBR list, go to lunch, and see a movie by myself. I know I deserve this time but I feel guilty asking to take a full day to myself. I believe my husband and mom would support this decision and would gladly agree to watch our child, but I don't want to explain myself. I just want to do it and not worry about what anyone is thinking or risk anyone calling me home early because the baby is cranky. If everyone thinks I'm at work, there is less of a chance that my husband or mom will interrupt my day. I feel like it's the best way to secure guaranteed time for myself. Will I find the courage to tell my family I need a day to myself one day? Probably. But for now, I'm okay keeping this a secret between myself and your dear listeners.
1: Aww. Thank you for sharing that.
0: I love this.
1: It's it's really nice, especially in the age of social media where there's so much sharing of our lives. I think that's one reason I would like this type of thing. Disappearing and nobody knowing where I am for a little while.
0: <laughs> I mean, honestly, I feel like I've done this before. Not it's not the context isn't the same, right? Because I, I don't mm-hmm. have a child, but there have definitely been times where I've played hooky, basically. Um, you know, from from work, for example, if I, you know, plan to take a mental health day. I would do that and then not necessarily tell other people that I was doing it so that I could have the space to myself to do whatever it was I wanted to do, even if that was just lounging around in my pajamas, baking some delicious muffins, and you know, Netflixing all day. There's something really nice about Getting
2: to have a whole day to yourself specifically during the week, because I think that, you know, you're supposed to be working, but it's a little bit different now because I think most people keep odd hours as a result of the work from home life. But it's just nice to be out when most people aren't. And it's almost like you get the time to yourself and then you get like the world to yourself because most people are stuck in the office. And so it's kind of like a double a double hit of me time.
1: Yeah. We know you go to the movies by yourself, Pam. I go to the
2: movies by myself early in the morning, get to pick any seat I want. There's hardly (laughs) anyone in there. I love going shopping too in the middle of the day because you never have to wait for a dressing room. If you want to try stuff on, Mm
0: -hmm. you don't have to
2: like dance around people in the aisles. If you go to Sephora and you really want to look, at, you know, a certain counter, it's really nice. Yeah.
1: I really enjoy shopping by myself too. I love being on the road by myself. I've done several at this point road trips, lengthy road trips, cross-country, a couple of them by myself. I just love being on that open road, listening to the podcast or music, just maybe having an occasional conversation with a stranger out on the road. Um, it's, it's very relaxing for me as somebody who definitely identifies as an introvert.
0: Yeah. And all of that said, I don't think this confessional writer needs to feel guilty.
1: No. About doing this. I guess just because it's their first time and they should in their mind tell everybody that they're not actually going to work. They're going off for a day of fun, which is great. I fully support the idea. But I also see why you feel guilty.
0: Yeah. No, and I understand how, especially having a young child kind of changes that dynamic too. Justin in our Discord is pointing out, you know, something like this works as long as you don't feel guilty while you're taking your day um, because things really do change when you have a kid. Yeah. And I think that's totally valid. So I will say, I don't think that you should feel guilty, but I understand that that's easier said than done. And I hope that you'll be able to, like, disconnect from that to the best of your ability to really enjoy your day because you do deserve it.
1: You're going to disconnect and not feel guilty once you get talking with the person who's doing your pedicure. You're going to (laughs) completely forget about it (laughs) once you're kind of socializing with somebody else. Or maybe don't talk Um, at
2: all if you don't want to talk at all. Then you shouldn't. You should just enjoy your (laughs) peace.
1: When you're deep in your book at the bookstore, that's when you're gonna forget
2: that
1: (laughs) the kids at home and you kind of snuck out.
2: I love going to the bookstore by myself too because you're not Mm -hmm. wait you don't feel like somebody else is waiting on you to finish. That's like that, record stores, museums too, all of these places that you're like going at your own pace perfect places to go on your own.
0: Let's think about some times that we've bailed out on something to give ourselves a little uh, solo time, self-care time, if you will.
1: I'm not a parent, so I don't need to get away from the kids. But I hear about this a lot, especially now that my sister has three kids and she really couldn't do it without the support of our family. You know, they're just so helpful in, in helping taking care of the kids and giving her a break when she needs one. I'm coming at this from the social situation, and with us currently recording MuggleCast on Saturday mornings, I tend not to do anything extravagant on Friday nights, so that can be an excuse for me to just chill out. That only really leaves Saturday nights for drinking too much, which is probably a good thing, <laughs> limiting how how much I'm drinking any a given night, because any other night, too, I, I try to get up early for work. Um, but I definitely use Brooklyn as an excuse, too. I've definitely done that over the years, whether it's leaving some sort of social event early or talking myself out of going to something. I got to go walk Brooklyn or I got to stay home to take care of Brooklyn. Brooklyn's not feeling well. And, you know, the nice thing about that is it's hard for to for somebody to prove that you're lying. Like, oh, yeah, he does have a dog. That makes sense. He needs to go home and walk the dog. OK.
0: I do the same thing. Me, too. <laughs> I also do this a lot
2: during, my house is notoriously full during the holidays, usually. And there's definitely enough space for everybody. But sometimes you just want a minute alone, a little bit of peace and quiet. So I just take Jasper on a walk.
1: Oh, yeah. Walks are really refreshing.
2: Just by myself. Don't even tell anybody like I, until I'm like leaving. So nobody has, you know, a chance to be like, oh, I'll come with you. It's like, no, you won't. <laughs> this is me <laughs> and Jasper time.
1: <laughs> Leave me alone. Right. Yeah. And sometimes even like being in a relationship, I'm like, I want to do something by myself. I want to go do this by myself. Or
0: yeah. And that's healthy. Yeah. Yeah.
1: We never walk the like sometimes I see couples walking dogs together. I never do that. And that's by design. I want to be by myself
2: because you have to t- you have to like talk to people the person you're walking with you know yeah
1: that's yeah. the thing
2: too it's kind of like I-, I like hiking with other people as long as they're like we're of this like I think it's easier to hike with somebody that's like at a similar physical fitness level as you are so yeah, that one person's not pace. like well yeah similar pace but also like one person doesn't want to do like this crazy extreme hike and then you're like maybe I I, I can't do that you know but Great right. for
1: you. I always say, I want to do a peaceful walk in the woods when I'm going on a hike. I yes. don't want to bust my ass going up a hill breathless. Like, right. I'm there to relax, <laughs>
2: not for a workout. Yeah, exactly. I want to be among the trees, but I don't want to be climbing up the trees. Right. <laughs>
1: yeah. Or asking the trees for more oxygen because I cannot but- <laughs> handle the incline. My
2: point of bringing this up that it is is that it is nice to go hiking with people, but it's also really nice to go hiking on your own because then you don't have to do that thing where like when the trail gets narrow, you're like shouting behind you. Yeah. Or like in front of you to the person that you're with because you feel the need to keep the conversation going.
1: Yeah. And honestly, I have a little too much anxiety to want to go on a hike by myself, especially somewhere without cell reception.
2: That's the other thing, too.
1: Not as safe on on multiple levels. Um, so that I don't mind having a companion. A human companion for
0: right but there is so much value in surrounding yourself with people who you not only enjoy having a great time with socially but people with whom you can just be around and you don't have to be talking silence is okay like you can exist in each other's orbit and it's not weird right like sitting Mm. in comfortable silence yep yeah that's nice Well, let's talk about some tips and tricks, and we've got some from listeners as well, um, around how to give yourself more me time, especially during the week, um, to give yourself that chance to get away from people.
1: Yeah. So this hack, and I see people joke about this online, but this is a real thing that people do do. People will just hide in their own bathroom in their own home to avoid the kids and just have some alone time for an extended period. There is actually a study, and I'm reading this report from a tabloid, but it it did come from a, a real study. Men spend seven hours a year hiding in the bathroom for peace and quiet. Researchers polled 1,000 men and found nagging partners avoiding children, chore avoidance, and the chance to look at their phone undisturbed as the main reasons that people... Are hiding, And I actually have some hard proof that people do this. I speaking of podcasts, again, they're coming up a lot today. I work for a show and somebody on the podcast twice in the two most recent times they've appeared on the podcast. They've podcasted from the bathroom on the toilet no because they were constipated or something they needed to get away they needed a room where they could find privacy for a little oh.
2: while i don't i mean that... like the acoustics in the bathroom are good but maybe not for podcasting
1: don't worry professional editor andrew cannot uh, get rid of that echo in the room so they can't even tell
2: if you if you was gonna lay down a track you know this person was gonna lay down a track that'd be one thing but for speaking right. i don't know It's good to know that you can get rid of the echo, though.
1: (laughs) I'm unstoppable. But yeah, so and I again, I I see this on social media a lot. People do use this method just to get away for a few minutes. And obviously, whether we're using the bathroom for real or not, a lot of people bring their phone in just to have a break, maybe from work or something.
0: (laughs) I definitely used to do this when I worked retail. Because that's such a people intensive job that I would just want to escape the noise and I would just like go into the bathroom lock myself in and just like savor the silence for a few minutes while I just kind of like breathed to yeah. kind of
2: de-stress from being around all those people. Definitely used to do that at the coffee shop too or like um washing dishes. I'm sure that's a big one for anybody who's ever been in in like food service industry. Just you know, going from like a busy floor to just like telling your lead, I'm gonna go wash dishes for an hour is so, so nice.
1: The the work story actually just reminded me, like I've definitely been at bars or just like out with friends, you know, for a few hours or whatever. And I've definitely used the bathroom as a place to like decompress for a couple of minutes. Like,
0: yeah, whoo
1: <laughs> introvert Andrew turning on now, activating. Needs a second to uh, recover. And then you go back out, maybe a little refreshed. Or at least you've enjoyed having a little bit of a break from socializing for a couple of minutes.
0: For me, that's usually the sign that I need to start coming up with my exit strategy because I can tell I'm like <laughs> my social battery is like tapping out.
1: Yeah. <laughs> at that point. It's just like especially if it's somebody you don't see often. Maybe it's like yeah. a like my family Christmas party, for example. I see these people like maybe once a year. You know, having a brief break in the bathroom to not be on, because if you only see them once in in the following year, it's like you got to be on. You got to make a good impression until next year. So, yeah, having that little break can go a long way
2: back to like um, work specifically. I something that I will do often if I just feel like it's going to be an especially busy week is I'll pad out my my meetings So like, let's just say or like appointments. So let's just say like I have a standing appointment on Wednesdays, right? If I feel like I'm going to need a little bit of extra time to decompress, I'll I'll pad it at the end a half hour or pad it at the beginning a half hour or sometimes both if I can, you know, spare the time just so that I give myself time to be present in the moment for The appointment, and then I have time to decompress after. And that's just a really easy way to kind of give yourself a little bit of extra time to just be with yourself and center yourself
0: a little bit more before you tackle everything else on your plate. Something that I would recommend that I think helps both in your work life and your personal life. And not that it's easy to do, but it really does help. Stop saying yes to everything. I'm kind of a people pleaser. It's really hard for me to say no to people when I'm asked for things, even if they're things that I genuinely don't want to do. And I've been making a concerted effort over the last few months to be okay with the fact that sometimes I just can't do something and telling people That I can't do it, you know. Both, both at work and in my personal life, Um, I have definitely been somebody who I found myself like double booked for things at work before because I just couldn't say no. Um, And at the end of the day, you actually make your life harder when you do that because you're you're overcommitting, you're taking on too much, and you're not going to be able to do any of those things well. If you're taking on too much. So that's what I always have to remind myself in those moments where I realize, like, whether it's somebody in my personal life asking me for something or somebody, you know, at work asking for something that I just can't do. I'm just remembering that, like, if I do that thing, then it might come at the expense of these other things that are important.
1: Yeah, it's hard breaking that kind of rhythm that you're accustomed to. I get Mm -hmm. it. And, you know, like in my case, sometimes it feels like you have to say yes to everything, work stuff in particular, kind of just to keep your head afloat.
0: Yeah. We also have some listener submissions about how to um, better protect your time and give yourself more you time, more solo time. Um, I'll kick it off with this first one here. Jess says, I have become a master of the drop-off and dash, specifically <laughs> with uh, with her son. I call my son's grandparents and tell them we're coming over for the afternoon, bring him in long enough to say hello, and then get them distracted. And I'm pulling out of the driveway before they even realize that I left. <laughs> so it sounds like your son's grandparents might be people who like rope you into a conversation. And before you know it, half of your afternoon that you anticipated spending alone has been spent talking to your son's grandparents.
1: Yeah. And the other factor, I think, is if you tell your kid you're about to leave, they're going to go, no, don't leave. Please stay. Or I want to go with you. So you kind of sneak out before they realize you're gone. And then there's nothing the kid can do. The parents are already gone. Sorry. I've seen the strategy be employed before. It's a good one for sure. Katie said, I'm a huge introvert. I only have so much so much social energy before I am absolutely miserable. And frankly, I am just very transparent about my time limit. It's interesting.
0: And I have to say, when you have friends that you can be that way with, you know they're real ones. Because I definitely throw your hands up in
1: the air, be like, I'm done. I'm good. I'm sorry, y'all.
0: Yeah. No. See you later. I definitely have friends who I will ahead of time, be like, Hey, I'll come to that, but I'm probably going to only hang out for an hour or so. Cause I'm, I'm already feeling kind of tired and burned out. And I feel like an hour is going to yeah. Do it for me. <laughs> so um and those friends, I mean, those are the ones that you want to hang on to because they get it.
2: Yeah, or even having friends where it's like I where you can feel comfortable saying, I know that we said we were going to go out tonight, but I'm really just not feeling being around other people. Can we just stay home? Yeah. And watch something on Netflix. Can we stay home and read together? That's really nice too.
1: Just chill outside and talk. Like it doesn't always have to be going out. Right. Mm-hmm. Katie also said my husband family and friends have gotten used to me saying I need to leave now giving everyone a hug goodbye and leaving whatever situation I'm in to go home and be by myself.
0: Mark has kind of had to get used to that with me cuz he's more he's more social than I am and there are definitely times where we'll both get invited to do something and I'm like nah <laughs> like not <laughs> feeling it and um you know it It can be a little bit uncomfortable when you're in a couple if only one person in the couple shows up, you know, more frequently than the other. Um, And we had to have a conversation where we basically agreed, like, it's okay for you to just tell our friends that I just didn't feel like it. You know, we don't we don't need to make up an excuse. I just didn't feel like it.
1: Yeah, it's it's good for people in a relationship to have their own separate lives too. like, yeah, you go out for a while and socialize and i'll stay here or i'll do something else out of the house
2: it's actually it's good to have that separate i think it's incredible how many people don't like they can't wrap their heads around people that are in relationships that could have their own separate lives like i don't know how to tell you that we don't have to do everything together like me and my partner are okay but yeah like, we're individuals for
1: you that you're uncomfortable with that we're totally fine. I just don't want to see him right now.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I live with that guy. I see him all the time. Right, exactly.
2: Well, to that uh, similar point, uh, Domi here says, when I do have energy to do something else, I typically throw my time into playing video games. That's a nice solitary
0: act that, yeah. you know, is a really big de-stressor for a lot of people. I I do that a lot. And particularly with Hogwarts Legacy being out right now. <laughs> Uh, a lot of my time is going into that game. But I also have a, num- a number of others.
1: Some games are just so relaxing. Like Hogwarts Legacy, i put it up there. Animal Crossing, like the first year that came out. Oh, yeah. man, that hit. On like a weekend morning, just sitting there fishing and going into Nook's Cranny as soon as it opened at 9 a.m. Like that, that's a peaceful damn game. Same thing with Legend of Zelda. And thankfully, a new one's coming out in just a few months.
0: Yeah, just don't think too hard about Tom Nook's extortion.
1: but simmy and tommy and tom are all so cute i can't get enough of them
0: uh well nicole says sometimes i'll just go to target and wander by myself same
1: retail therapy
0: like nine o'clock at night
2: oh that's the nobody's there no one's there
1: club target
2: (laughs) <laughs> well, they bump music now, so it quite literally club
1: Target. Yeah. They do, yeah. I never go that late. Maybe I should try that.
2: Yeah. It's nice.
1: Nicole also said, sometimes it's the choice between cooking or cleaning with my headphones in while my husband watches the baby to get some time. So in other words, like her escape, if I'm reading this right, is doing the activity that you really don't want to do but you have to with headphones in Mm -hmm. was I reading that right yeah and I do recommend trying this actually and it seems simple just wearing headphones but this lets you have me time while do while still doing some work you need to do and what you're listening to can really transport you and take your mind off things you feel like you're in your own world with headphones on bonus tip get noise-canceling headphones, and then you'll hear less of what's going on in the house. And then somebody wrote in via the confessional, I take short weekend trips away to downtown Vegas or LA.
0: This writer also has young children, um, and they were talking about how they'll arrange it with their partners so that they're watching the kids and they go out of town or to nearby places like Vegas or LA to get some solo time or to spend some time with friends. Yeah. I think that's great. I have a a couple of my friends who are, you know, young parents who have definitely done trips like this where like one partner stays home with the kids and the other either solo travels or travels with friends who are also parents so they get a chance to get away and not have that responsibility kind of super present in their life for a few days.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Just getting out of the house, whether it's a long trip like that or Target or mentally getting out of your house with headphones. These are all different tricks. Some might be more obvious than others. I think even the initial confessional that spurred this discussion like that's that's a pretty solid hack that people probably aren't willing to talk about publicly as evidenced by you know the confessional being submitted anonymously which is understandable but it's just not like cool to talk about it's it's a little taboo to say because then people on social media might be oh how dare you leave your family like
0: that i know it's almost like there's this perception that once you're a parent that is your entire personality, and you're not allowed to have anything to yourself anymore. Yeah, I call when bullshit you on it. that.
1: <laughs> need it? I mean, these kids are exhausting. It's impossible. Mm-hmm. Somebody else in the Facebook group said having two kids was a thousand times harder than one kid. It's just they those kids are nonstop. I'm seeing this now firsthand. Like I said earlier, like oh my god, you don't get a break. <laughs> this is why I like being an uncle. I. I kind of have my own children just from a distance and I buy them things when I want and I see them when I want and then I can run away and not be responsible for them.
2: (laughs) I was going to say you could take them for a day and then drop them off.
1: Yeah. It's great. Maybe I'll do Mm -hmm. that when they get older. Not right now. I I I can't deal with that now. It's scary. But when they're (laughs) older, we'll have a, a day at the arcade or something. And if you want to read more feedback that we received from listeners, check out facebook.com slash groups slash millennial show. There's lots of great discussions happening in there all the time. We love that community. And it's also a private group. So what you post in there, whether it's an original post, whether you're commenting, your friends and family aren't going to see it. Gotta love private groups on Facebook. Time for some recommendations. I wanted to start actually a little different this week. I wanted to read an email from one of our listeners, Beth. She has a recommendation, which piggybacks on our discussion last week when we were talking about etiquette rules. Hey, y'all. I was listening to you talk about splitting the bill when out to eat with friends, and I fully agree with your thoughts on the subject. But I also wanted to suggest the app Plates by Splitwise. This is a great app when one person is willing to put it on their card and everyone Venmo's them and everyone wants to only pay for what they ordered. You can even split one item, such as an appetizer, equally between people. It also factors in an equal split of the tax and tip. Just thought I'd share even though I fully agree that everyone should be prepared to pay equally as this is a great alternative." I was pleasantly surprised to receive this email because I had actually previously recommended the app Splitwise, and that's going to be kind of my re-recommendation this week. This app lets you easily split your bills with a roommate, partner, etc. You just insert an expense into your group, and it'll total up the various expenses at the end of the month. And then one or multiple people can easily pay the other person who actually paid the bill with the Venmo integration that Beth mentioned. It supports recurring bills too. So Pat and I use a super helpful, saves us a lot of trouble of figuring out the math every month. So check out Plates for the restaurant and Splitwise, the parent app for home.
0: Well, I want to recommend a game that you can play with your friends, with your significant other, whoever, on you know, on separate computers, whether you're in the same house and playing separately, or whether you live in different parts of the world. It's called Golf with Friends. Um, It's a very basic golfing game that you can play on your PC. It's Just a super soothing game, really easy to play and really easy to do while you're having conversations with people. So this is something that I'll play with my friends when we're just kind of hanging out and we're not trying to get into anything that's too thought intensive. Um, It's got some really wacky, crazy looking golf courses, like picture mini golf on steroids. Um, That is basically the vibe of this game. Highly recommend it.
1: This looks really fun.
0: It is fun. And I wanted to recommend the book Sorrow and Bliss by Meg
2: Mason. This is fairly new-ish. It came out in 2021. And the title really says it all here because it just strikes such a beautiful balance between happy and sad. It deals with um, some mental health as well. And it centers on a character named Martha who has just turned 40 And her husband decides to leave her two days after her 40th birthday. And so that kind of spurs her into this journey of rehashing how she ended up where she is at the point where we first meet her in her life, it feels very much cut from the same cloth as Fleabag. So if you enjoyed watching that, which I was one of those people that really did, then I think that you would really enjoy reading this book. So check it out if that interests you.
1: A couple of reminders before we wrap up. Make sure you're following the show for free in your favorite podcast app so you never miss an episode and leave us a review in Apple Podcasts or Spotify. We love a five-star review if you're really enjoying the show. You can write to us by emailing millennialshow at gmail.com, or you can use the contact form or anonymous confessional on millennialshow.com. And last but not least, follow us on social media. We're a millennial show on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. And then over on TikTok, we are Millennial Pod. Thanks, everybody, for listening. I'm Andrew.
0: I'm Laura. And I'm Pamela. Bye, Bye, everyone.